Welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen and no James Carey today, I'm afraid, but that's okay because we've got uh, two special guests, two great writers who have come from the world of uh, drama writing, long-running drama writing, and have written a fantastic new comedy show called Significant Other, which uh, we'll have lots to talk about. I've watched quite a lot of it now, and I can say it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and uh, they're going to talk about that as well. But uh, I'll say a big hello to Hamish Wright. Hello. Hello. And Dana Fainaru. Hello. Hello. And good to have you uh, both here today. So first of all, what we always do when we're uh, when we do an episode where we interview writers, we like to find out from you what your what shows you were watching or listening to what were your favorite um, obsessions really when you when you were in short trousers or whatever the equivalent uh culottes or something so what were you what were you growing up with hamish what, 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 where did you grow up and what were you watching i grew up in melbourne i'm i'm from australia uh i grew up if you if you kind of uh, look out from Mel the Melbourne kind of CBD. There's a kind of like a ma some mountains in the distance called Mount Dandenong, and that's where the TV towers um, kind of like right on top. And I lived Mount Dandenong right right beneath the TV towers, um, which actually kind of it, it it didn't mean we had great TV reception. We had pretty rubbish tv reception actually well we you know we had exactly that um, i know dana from uh she, she lived in uh crouch end where i live and um yeah. we had um we had similar we got we've got the original we got ali pally and um crouch end where we live is at the bottom of the hill right by ali pally and our reception was terrible <laughs> <laughs> well, we we only got uh the abc which is the equivalent of the bbc so like one channel and at that time, the ABC was really, I think, because it was kind of, I guess, still Empire and all that, uh, we mainly got, like, just British British shows. So I grew up on British shows. Doctor Who, it was the John Pertwee, kind of Tom Baker era, Ark in Space, you know, like, Sea Devils, that kind of stuff. Right. But also things like the goodies and Press Gang, the ABC kind of had a kind of like so-called kids slot between five and six. I wasn't allowed to watch TV before five o'clock. So that was kind of the sweet spot for me. Right. And I was just absolutely heartbroken when Doctor Who went off air. It was mid eighties, kind of mid to late eighties. And they put EastEnders on in its stead. And I was just, I, I still hold a grudge against EastEnders to this day because of that. <laughs> It's interesting because both Doctor Who and uh, well, well, in fact, sorry, the 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 other way around. But Doctor Who was uh, a kids' TV show that uh, adults loved, and The Goodies was uh, an adults' TV show that, uh, like you say, kids were allowed to watch. It was like it was sort of because um, I remember watching them in, uh, when they came out, and I was a, a, a teenager. So The Goodies was sort of kind of mainstream Monty Python. <laughs> Um, you know, yeah. so uh, which and and a lot of the people who involved in similar shows and things and uh, yeah, but it, it really had that. It wasn't 
written for children, but it just became such a massive hit show because kids loved it and the parents came in as well. But it used to go out at, I think, about sort of eight o'clock, nine o'clock in the evening. So, um, yeah, I can see that very kind of English comedy drama strand. I can see how that's uh, through Doctor Who. And uh, for Donna, how about you? Where did um, you grow well, up? I, I grew up in um, Tel Aviv in yeah. Israel and uh, my my parents were both well still are film critics so they were dragging me to see as a child like to see lots of um, art house films like right. Bellini and Kubrick and stuff like that which I went right above my head right um, uh, and then obviously I'm a lot older than Hamish so um, because my parents were like bohemian, as it were, I was allowed to watch telly like really, really late. So I watched a lot of, you know, post-watershed telly. <laughs> and I remember, it, so it was mainly things like Soap and Buster Keaton and Faulty Towers and, you know, Woody Allen. I kind of really grew up on 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 Woody Allen. So, um yeah, that that was that was mainly it. I mean, there was one, there was um, an Israeli sat satirical show, a bit like the not the nine o'clock show, and it was called Brain Flossing, and it was right. really really out there, like totally out there, real gallows humor, very very satirical, and we we always watch that right. together. Um, me and my dad so yeah that's the uh, kind of stuff I grew up on I'm interested that you know kind of both of you en ended up in the UK and um, I, I, with, without getting into too much detail about how that happened but do you think was that that those early influences did that have a lot to do with it did you think you were coming to the, the home of great TV For me, I definitely I, thought yeah. I was coming to the home of great drama yeah right definitely because I I, you know, at home, my parents kind of spoke English to me from a really early age. And um, they were always saying, you know, if you really want a good training, you would go to England. And I started out like training to be an actress and then I became a theater director. Um, and I, I definitely came to England because of the drama. And obviously, you know, like Hamish said, I mean, we used to watch so much like British telly, like I, Claudius, The Sandbaggers, you know, like real kind of proper, fantastic kind of like Thames television dramas. So I definitely had the idea that if you wanted to do something worthwhile, you would go to England. Yeah. Yeah. Those shows, they do make me think a little bit of the old, I mean, they were great because they were sort of filmed live and so they yes. had that edge to them. But I do also remember the, the kind of the wobbly sets and the, the, uh, the, I know. the, the columns I mean... in I, Claudius. <laughs> yes. That would be, you'd be gripped by watching the column rather than Derek Jacobi in his, in his pomp. Yeah. But um, so, so Hamish, was that a similar kind of journey for you, literal and metaphorical? Yeah, for sure. I mean, the one other kind of like key kind of formative watching experience I neglected to mention was, was one I kind of like watched through a crack in the door as my parents were watching edge of darkness uh oh, right. and okay. i just thought that was extraordinary and it just a 
incredibly propulsive kind of show but yeah i mean i i was an indie kid in the 90s and you know obviously Britpop was kind of like at its absolute height then so i visited the uk for the first time in 95 and just had an absolute blast kind of going to gigs every night and just felt really at home you know like in the uk so uh my my granddad was was born in leeds Right. So I, I had a kind of little little finger hold of a of a kind of like of a passport, you know, like so once I finished work on a show that I worked on called The Secret Life of Us in Australia, I, I kind of jumped on the plane. Right. Wow. Let's not uh let's not talk about um Leeds at this point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my hometown and uh yes, it's been a been a bit of a roller coaster year if you follow Leeds United, which not many of you do. Certainly has for you guys. Oh, yes, yes. By the time um, this goes out, Leeds may well be back in the championship. I, I think. <laughs> I think that's a bit of an inevitability, really. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, we shall we shall uh, gloss over that particular tragedy. Yes, yeah, so the Secret Life of Us was actually that was um, that was a, a a bit of a hit. That that was sort of a, a breakout uh, Australian hit. I guess that must have been a little bit of a um, in, interesting situation for you then. Yeah, I I, I came on board that show uh, in its. It, they just started work on the second season of that, and the first season had been yeah a bit of a cult hit in the UK on Channel Four and a massive local hit on Channel Ten, which was the network there and. I, I was really, really green at that point. Uh, I came in as a script coordinator. Uh, so I was basically just putting out amendments and, um, you know, like distributing scripts. But on that show, it was, cra- it was 22 apps per season and there was almost n- none, no kind of editorial team on that show. There's no script editors. The producer was a really experienced script editor and she kind of handled it, but she didn't really have capacity to to kind of like handle everything so pretty soon I was script coordinating and editing and finally at the end of that first season I worked on writing a few as well which was just such a thrill as as a kind of someone in my mid-20s then a show that I genuinely loved and um, the characters on screen were roughly the same age as me so it it didn't feel like it was much of an invention at all. And I mean, so you... it, was, it, is, it is amazing because I I watched Secret Life of Us and I absolutely loved it, you know. And then when I met Hamish for the first time and I found out that he's actually worked on it, it was like, oh my god, I'm your bitch <laughs> forever. I love that show. <laughs> that's that, that's great. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm that, how how did the two of you meet? That's that is the inevitable next question then. <laughs> Hamish was my script editor on Casualty. Okay. So we met in this story conference. Um, and uh, then, yeah, he just... Was that the first person you edited? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. As it works on continuing drama, when you come in as a, as a script editor, uh, because it's such a moving train, you're often picking up scripts that are that are kind of already underway so i think dana was maybe at second draft when i yeah. came on came onto it i think yeah she was the the first writer i edited on the show and 
I met my best friend. So like it was an extraordinary kind of thing. And yeah, we just found we were really simpatico on taste and sensibility. I, I know a little bit about um, you know writing writing for long running uh, dramas, but it's it seems incredibly complicated. I guess you've got you've got this week's story, and then I guess you've got a story that's running for about three or four weeks, and then you've got something another story that's running for the the whole series. And I guess you kind of you have to have somebody who who is on top of all of that and knows. Well, you can't use charlie in this scene because yeah. he's going to be in the next scene in a story that's x or whatever um, incredible logistics i wonder how it sort of worked as a as a writer on the show what 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 happens if say i mean i know there aren't that many of these shows left anymore but if i turn up on day one my first day writing for uh doctors say what's going to happen um well it, it does it is very logistical and it does rather depend on what kind of series you're you're working on? Um, on Casualty, um, you would be getting what's called a, a serial um, story document, which would tell you what what is happening with the regular characters in the episode that you're doing. Right, and then you would be coming in, um, you know, with guest stories, which are the patients. Um, and quite often you would have what's called an A story, a B story, and a C story. Um, so you would be writing different strands. And obviously your editor is not just the person who helps you achieve quality and clarity and you know good storytelling, um, but they're also the person that are in charge of the logistics. So they know like you said, who's available, who's not available. Like you can use this person for, for you know, two days and you can use that person. But but your, your guest story would have to be around a different character because they're available for the block that you're doing. So it's um it is very, very logistical, really. And presumably as well, it requires a, a phenomenal understanding of the medical profession whilst not necessarily <laughs> having well, any qualification. I think so. Um, so my husband keeps reminding me that I'm not a doctor. Um, I mean, look, you have advisors, you know, you have a lot of advisors who give you, you know, who kind of do all the medical stuff. And who often don't agree with each other. Exactly. Which, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I'm thinking in terms of, you know, being a writer and, and doing your research and, and, and getting getting the gig. I mean, say, so if I wanted to write for doctors now, and I mean, there's no way that I would be able to look back on the last 25 years of British uh, hospital TV. And, but if I, you know, if I come up with 10 ideas of like, well, here's this patient has this sort of cancer, but there's also this problem with da da da. And the, I say, oh, yeah, we did that in s series 13. Or, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested. Say, if, if somebody starting out now who was thinking that, well, I don't want to go straight into trying to get comedy made, I want to learn the skills. And I, and I think you can still do that on doctors now i'm not quite quite sure how much but but what would you what would you say to somebody starting out now about the, how they would pitch ideas to a medical show 
Well, you've you've well, got to know the show. You've got to really, really know the show right. and watch it so that you've got an understanding of how it works, how it moves, what the structure is. A, a lot of those shows actually have shadow schemes where they pick, you know, people up who want to kind of like work for them and um, they mentor them but I I would say that the most important thing is that you just become a real expert in that show so you know you know more or less what they cover um you could pitch storylines that they've um you know that that you haven't seen lately on the show and yeah you've you've got to just be really interested in it and understand how it works what would you say Hamish yeah, I'd agree with all that. Um, it, it's, I think the con- the con- continuing drama shows that are still around, I know they're kind of methods by which they supply writers for the kind of the pipeline it, are in constant flux. But like Dana says, each each show I think does have kind of bespoke shadow schemes. But as well, like I'd say, have a look at. Um, writers room as well Um, they have kind of development groups kind of specific to the nations and regions and I kind of helped out a bit here in Belfast and the Northern Ireland side of that and I know some shows do like to kind of tap those kind of development groups and and source kind of like up-and-coming voices so that's one worth thinking about as well yeah bbc writers room i mean we i can't tell you the number of times we have recommended people go to that we've interviewed uh simon nelson a couple of times as well simon's brilliant uh, he's that they are just i mean most bbc departments i've worked in like uh, comedy and children's and radio they're sort of in a broom cupboard but i mean writers room doesn't even have its own shelf in the broom cupboard it's so (laughs) just tiny tiny little organization but they do so much um which is which is really brilliant so mm. so yeah I, I guess bbc writers room then is the first port of call but it is i guess it's harder now is it would you say when you than when you first started how did you both get into that world well i trained to begin with as an actress and then yeah. i then trained as a theatre director and so I was a theatre director for most of my professional life and then I kind of got I fell into writing really because I got a position as associate director in in the contact theatre in Manchester and I kind of ended up writing the play that I directed and then I got an attachment at the National Theatre Studio as a writer And while I was there, the woman who ran the studio said to me, you know, the BBC is getting together this kind of, um, um, you know, initiative called um, uh, Writers Academy. And, um, you know, John York is running it. And it's kind of designed for people who don't write for television, who have written for something else, but they'll train you to write for their continuing dramas. And... um, and I said, but I've only really written one thing, which is the play. And she said, well, you could just apply. And so I applied and I go in and in the Writers Academy, which was a 12 week course, which was ran by John York, who was the head of continuing drama at the time. Um, we were all trained to write 
for the different continuing dramas. So for Doctors, Casualty, Holby City and EastEnders. And so when I left the Writers' Academy, you know, you were promised a commission on each show. And um, yeah, and that's how it kind of then took off for me personally. Um, and Hamish, yeah. how did it happen for you, Hamish? Well, I'd, I had my kind of foot in the door in Australia on The Secret Life of Us. And I worked on that for three seasons uh, and was kind of a script exec and writer in the final two seasons. And we got canned in 2004. Or we got axed, I should say. And... Um, <laughs> And it was just a good time to to kind of make a shift for me. So that was when I decided to make the jump and move to the UK. And it was a strange thing breaking in again, you know, like I, I had kind of broken in in Australia and then kind of like again in the UK. And it was kind of, it was just like, it wasn't pre-internet, but it was pre kind of like jobs and things like that being very online. So I really struggled to kind of get work, but finally I got a job on Corrie as a storyliner. That was brilliant. Like I lived in Manchester for a couple of years and uh, even though I wasn't writing, I, I was writing storylines and being around, you know, like brilliant, brilliant comedic writers like Jonathan Harvey and Carmel Morgan, people like that. Um Sally Wainwright there at that point. Yeah. Uh, she She'd moved on as had, the likes of um, Paul Abbott and Paul Abbott. Yeah. 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 I mean, it is incredible. The number of writers who start out on Coronation Street. I do that. That's always been my, uh, my favorite writers are all from the North of England and uh, they all write comedy drama. And uh, that sort of goes back to Jack Rosenthal as well. Who's one of the yeah. original writers mm. on the show. One of the great TV writers. Um, but then I guess you've had another uh, having having found found your métier, as it were, in that kind of in the sort of long running or uh, the, 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 the TV that is much more. It's more an industry. When we talk about the TV industry in Britain, it sort of makes sense where the shows have got you've got 50 or 100 shows a year. But comedy has always felt much less an industry, much more like a craft. And, you know, there's, there's hardly any shows, new shows get made. And then there's only six in a series. And so I'm, I'm interested to know what, <laughs> what drove you out of the kind of nice regular uh, weekly work of, of um, TV writing into, oh, let's do something that's got hardly any chance of getting made anywhere and not only that but it will be less less episodes oh and there's two of us so that's half the uh, half the income as well so how did that how did significant other come about it's a long story but basically you know in uh, in israel i have like a very good friend who's um the agent of quite a lot of writers who have come up with formats which then were very successful abroad like in treatment and you know prisoners of war and um and she had basically emailed me one day and said oh you know this show's on telly and actually I don't represent anybody in it or anyone who wrote it but I think you're gonna love it it's just for you and that was the original significant other and I watched it and I 
I absolutely loved it, but I thought it was so bleak. I mean, it really was like for an Israeli gallows humor. But I remember talking to Hamish about it at the time and uh, and just saying, oh, my God, you know, I, I, I just love this show and I know that you would love it, too. But I'm not sure what we would do with it. Uh, then years later, um, it was actually Hamish who had taken it to Nicola Schindler at Key Street. Um, over to you, Hamish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's I guess it's kind of apropos that that Dana mentions Nicola Schindler because, as you say, incredibly long odds of of getting something on air. But when you have Nicola Schindler by your side you know, like you're, you're kind of like buying yourself a lot more raffle tickets, let's say. Um, Dana and I, we'd, we'd been kind of talking and wishing and hoping to do our own thing. Um, oh God, almost from that kind of like moment we met each other on Casualty because uh, we had such similar sensibilities. And I think actually the Israeli and Australian drama comedy sensibilities are really similar you know like um there's there I, I think there's a real commonality of voice so yeah. we we wrote a show that ultimately didn't didn't go anywhere but Nicola Schindler bought it it was actually I'd kind of carbon date it to the very very start of lockdown we we met Nicola's brilliant kind of team in London it was the week that Boris Johnson locked us down. Uh, the The meeting very, very nearly did not happen. But once we we learned that she was kind of interested, we were like, God, we have to go with her. We just have to go with her. If that the show didn't happen and we were heartbroken. But Nicola kind of said, if you've got anything else, anything at all, let me know. We can have a chat. And she just set up her new company, which is called Key Street. I I managed to get hold of a subtitle copy of this show that Dana had watched like months earlier, and watched it and thought, okay, yeah, we could we could totally do this. It's got a brilliant concept. It's got a brilliant tone. It felt so kind of like relevant to the time because it's two kind of lonely people finding a connection. I, we we kind of approached Nicola, sent her a copy of the episode, and honestly, it was a day later, and she'd watched it, and she said, "I love it. I'm going to try and get the rights. Let's do this." And and it just flowed from there. Wow, that is that is quite something because I mean, even when you've got people, in fact, there was at the recent British uh, Comedy Guide uh, Comedy Conference uh, a few weeks ago, they had. Clelia Mountford from uh, oh, yeah. Merman, I Merman. Think. And, and she was saying, you know, and, and I mean, Sharon Horgan, even Sharon Horgan and her company, they, they struggle and lots of things that they, they pitch don't get made. So even when you're a kind of a, a big name, a big player in that TV commissioning world, it is a kind of, it's a very small kind of subsection. I, I, I'm interested that it went to ITV. So I, I'd, um, I, I don't don't really probably want to talk much about the Israeli version because I've got so much to ask about the uh, mm. the actual your your version, which um, I, I'm presuming that the story is kind of pretty much the same. Uh, this couple who meet 
when uh, am I uh, am I allowed to give? I suppose it is the opening scene. You so, are, yes. Uh, so yeah, basically, the guy who's trying to kill himself, but is interrupted by the next door neighbor who's having a heart attack. So he, uh, you know, is that? So the question is, what would ever possibly um, stop you from? What's the one thing that might stop you from killing yourself? Well, it's the neighbor coming around saying, I need you to call an ambulance yeah. now. I'm having a heart attack. Um, brilliant, brilliant uh, setup. And then everything kind of comes from that. But is that basically the same how it started in the... Uh, yes, in, I mean, it's it's the same beginning. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, most of the work that we've done is about adapting the story and the characters to... <clears throat> To a Manchester setting yeah. um, and we had a lot of work to do with that because a lot of things that happen in the Israeli original would never happen here and mm -hmm. if they did they wouldn't strike a chord so yeah. we we just uh, had most of the work was kind of like done on that and because a character really defines themselves by their actions once you change the characters you also change the story you know but but it, but it is the same, you know, parting shot, um, as it were, and it is, you know, the same core theme. It's a very unromantic rom-com about two people who are completely incompatible, but are very, very suited to each other on some kind of subterranean level. <laughs> and, um, you know, and so it's kind of like very in a way cynical but also incredibly hopeful at the same time and obviously you know Hamish and I have brought our sensibility to it you know we're both hopeless romantics really <laughs> um so so that really kind of changed the the DNA of it if if you like yeah, yeah. and I mean casting wise or I mean to have uh, Yusuf Kakur and um, Catherine Parkinson there. I mean, that's just there too. Just, just two such brilliant actors for it. They are. And Yusuf, I first saw in uh, Home, the Rufus oh, Jones yeah. show, and he completely stole every scene in that. And uh, it's it's hard for him to do when he's just it's just him and uh, Catherine Parkinson. But he still they between them they they are absolutely brilliant and it is what 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 really struck me and what interested me aware that it's an itv show and itv x i know which is which is quite innovative but um how you all the scenes are very very long which is uh which is unusual very unusual a for itv show b mm. for a half hour show that's 22 minutes and so you kind of got like four or five minutes per scene which is really quite extraordinary and i wondered how much that was a kind of how important that that was from the start or whether that was how it evolved it's it's interesting you mentioned itvx because it it's maybe slightly pertinent like when we when we went out with the script having developed it with with nicola and um brilliant script editor Fiona McAllister. We, ITV comedy was the first port of call and Nana, and she was great. She really got it. At that time, ITVX wasn't kind of, wasn't, didn't quite exist, probably existed 
internally, secretly. Uh, the debate in that initial meeting was what kind of um, slot would this, with this, and there was, there was kind of talk of, is it pre-watershed, post-watershed? Is it 45 or is it 30? And it was, it was tricky that because we felt it was definitely post-watershed, but the post-watershed slot was 45. And we're like, we don't think it's 45. Like we think that would, that would ruin it. So that problem solved itself when ITVX became a real possibility because it, it could be exactly what it needed to be, uh, which is kind of, it's 22 minutes and it's effectively post-watershed. Trying to remember where I started that. But it, it's certainly not a kind of classic ITV show. And I think that's that's what they're after, really. They're after shows with ITVX that push the 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 ITV brand outwards. But also sometimes you just get really, really lucky. I mean, the DNA of the show, which Hamish and I just both really loved, was the fact you know, that it was very, very natural, you know, and mm -hmm. it did have these long scenes that just flow. You're just kind of like in the same space as the characters. And, you know, we, we really love that. So from the beginning, we were kind of like quite determined to keep to that tone. And I think we were just extremely lucky that both Nicola and Nana Hughes really, they just really got it. So at you know, their, their kind of um, involvement in terms of trying to change that or shape it to like an ITV tone or an ITV taste, I mean, if there is such a thing, it was absolutely minimal, you know, and we were actually just kind of like allowed to get on with it because I think without that, the show, you know, that is what is kind of like unique about it. Um, and and captivating about it. It's the, you know, the tempo of it and the tone of it. And we were just really, really lucky. I mean, we God knows we had done our dues and spent, you know, all these <laughs> tortuous, tortuous years, um, you know, in absolute development limbo and trying to kind of like break out of continuing drama. But on this particular project we just couldn't believe the fact that it was just going really really smoothly you know it got picked up and then it got commissioned and then it got green lit and at every point we were like is this actually really happening because <laughs> and I think it is very very tough now to to get commissioned and everyone is constantly talking about you know, how difficult it is to get shows into development and there's a global recession and everyone's contracting their development slates. And we hear that all the time and we experience it on other shows that we're involved in. But with this one, we were just really blessed, you know. So we're kind of trying to enjoy it, aren't we? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> before, before it's all over. <laughs> Adding to all of that, that you've said, you know, and, and on top of all of those things that it, it then follows that um, also the companies that are the things that are being commissioned are a little bit more risk averse, I would say. So the idea of a comedy show where a whole scene is effectively a, a, a one act drama um, that, that feels very risky. Yeah. Yeah. And and did anyone sort of pick you up on that at all? 
No, I, I think that the, like Dana was saying, I guess the, the beauty of the process so far has been like every, every kind of editorial person we've engaged with has kind of known that that's the deal with the show. And without, without that, if you're, if you're kind of like cutting scenes way down to, to kind of like get things zipping by, it's just, it would just be nothing because it's, it's a show that's about those moments where you sit with the characters, where you, where you kind of see them reacting in real time. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious to know how, whether, was that something that was there for, right from the start? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very and much so, so. Again, we are, we are, sitcom geeks we are the nerds we are allowed to dig into these weeds a little bit in a way that no one else will uh so what's your favorite color no um <laughs> I, I, I'm, it, it sort of feels almost like it sort of takes you back to your playwriting days maybe uh donna that, that that's what was each scene almost like i mean it's interesting so i i, I imagine what i've seen so far some of the scenes could only be where they are you know in episode one episode two but maybe some they could be like interchangeable and i wondered how you how you kind of structured that kind of once you knew you had a, a series of six it's quite interesting because the original israeli series one had 12 episodes and we obviously you know we got six so it, i think we just um approached it with a lot of our story had sensibilities in terms of, you know, structuring it so that we have a beginning, middle and end of season. And that's really, you know, your point of departure and making the journey for the characters really, really specific. So just saying, you know, when they start, they're like this. And when we end the series, they're like that. And then you just basically, you cluster beats together in in a way which you think, again, you kind of, you keep breaking things down all the time. So once you've got a beginning, middle and end, and then you develop, you, you, you divide all the beats that you have into six different episodes. And then with each episode, you will think, okay, so what's the beginning, what's the middle and what's the end of, of you know, of this one. I mean, we all have different methods of working. I mean, I I use the five act structure for nearly like everything that I do, I kind of think in that way. And and but so so that's kind of like the story and and the structure. And then this the scenes themselves, you're you're constantly treading this very fine line between making something very, very natural and stripping it but also making sure that it encapsulates something, you know, quite, um, you know, quite pithy and quite specific. So, yeah, I, I think that was more or less our process. Do you, yeah. do you have anything to add, Amish? The, the kind of structure of the commercial structure kind of gave us a, something to kind of build it around as well. It's, it's two-part two-part episodes um so we kind of we're usually kind of building up to a, a generally established part break and that was also how we divided up the writing duties you know like dana would take draft one of part one you know and so on and so forth and we'd swap swap it back and back and forth um 
he did typically three kind of internal drafts between each other before we would give it to Key Street. And we did, we averaged about 10 or 11 drafts uh, for, for each script. And didn't it, the scripts didn't really change much um, during no. production. We, we had all six done by the time of the read through, which was, we did a week before production and we read all six on that day and they didn't change a lot. Wow. No. Well, that, that is amazing. I, I, well, I mean, I suppose the fact that you took it to 11 drafts might have had uh, something to do with that. But, but you know, they weren't big. Um, the draft, the drafting themselves were not big rewrites. I mean, I think we struggled probably with two, two episodes had more drafts than the others. But really, once you kind of nailed it, all the other drafts were just real tweaks, you know, things we've changed once they became production drafts. So there were all kinds of production issues. and But they weren't, they, their main DNA didn't, didn't really change, which was, yeah, which was amazing, really. Yeah, I guess that you began, like you said, you once you had that story, you 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 were kind of creating the characters from scratch, and I think that was mm. one of the, for me, one of the most uh, sort of delightful aspects of it is the is the characterization, how both of these characters are, on the one hand, uh, trapped trapped by their past, who mm. they were in the past, but are kind of finding a way forward. <laughs> with each other or but still still kind of traveling down parallel lines away from each other or uh, i'm guessing as it yes. develops they they come closer and further away again but it's uh it's nice because you can have people acting out of character because they're they're both in this sort of incredibly unfamiliar place really and i think that that i guess that's what allows you i mean there's a couple of scenes i Already, I'm thinking of a scene where, uh, where I forget what the use of Sam. Sam, like he kind of tries tries to win his ex back. Uh, reading her this beautiful, heartfelt letter, and she's standing there and listening to him, and uh, she just sort of walks off, and then he's just he just turns into the and she says, "You know, I'm not. This is why I can't go because you know." because of this and he just switches and becomes this monster <laughs> and because mm. um, originally we think oh why is she saying this is why i can't and then we see straight away why it's like oh god exactly <laughs> you know? yeah you know and he just it's 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 a great um it, 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 it's a great study in character and it's very funny and it's very uh moving as well and uh I, I I can't recommend it highly enough. But uh, so when is it? Um, when does it um, go out? When does it first go out? It goes out on the eighth of June on ITVX. Right. Okay. I think we're coming out. Uh, this episode comes out just before that, so and that's great. All episodes at once. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, it really is. I I can't recommend it enough it's uh so have you had any uh feedback yet of um, itv or they love it so much they want another five series <laughs> we we are writing the first episode of what would be a second season 
and we know what we would do with that second season. So as for whether it goes further than that, it's in the hands of the viewer. Yes. Uh, is, uh, is there no going back now? Can you see yourself back in uh, back at Holby City or wherever, whatever hospital hasn't been closed? <laughs> poor, poor Holby years? has been axed. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and casualty is gone, hasn't it? No, it's still not Casualty okay. just won a BAFTA, so yeah. um, oh, they're right. going strong. Right. Um, who knows? Who knows what the future <laughs> might bring? Yeah. <laughs> but have you got a taste for the shorter form now? Definitely. Half hour is such a beautiful form. And I think, you know, like it's it's where so much interesting stuff resides now, you know, like. I'm thinking about Barry. I'm thinking about Atlanta. Better things. It's, it's, you know, like a, I, I think it's a, it's a great format, and it's, you know, it's definitely one that we want to keep on playing in. Yes, definitely. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your, uh, for your time, and uh, thank you. Good thank luck you. with the show. So I'll just repeat that it's going out on. Uh, June the 8th on ITVX um, or XITV, whichever, whatever, no, ITVX. Um, uh, sorry, what time did you say? Did you tell me? Or, I think or... it'll be dropping in the morning. In the right, morning, so yeah. it's going to be there. All the episodes will be there. Um, so, so I guess the kind of um, watershed pre or post argument is sort of a little bit moot, really, isn't it, in that case? But, uh, Absolutely. Yeah, it is a real... Uh, joy and if nothing else just watching two of our best comic actors at their peak being brilliant is is worth the price of the uh not the license fee because it's itv of the adverts that we we all pay for right yes so uh, i would definitely uh, recommend it so thanks hamish and dana thanks for coming on the show and good luck Thank with you. it it was a pleasure